Hi Court Hackers, welcome to another bonus episode of the podcast. I'm Stephen Mather, organisational psychologist and one of your hosts. So this is an episode that we recorded a couple of months ago and a subject we hope you'll find interesting. Upon leaving a cultic group that strictly controls our beliefs about the world and reality itself, the opportunity to explore science and even some fringe ideas is great fun. Quantum physics is a real favourite area for seekers to become attracted to. And there's no shortage of people and gurus invoking the quantum world to explain their particular worldview or even to sell their wares. So we thought it would be fun and potentially useful to dig into quantum physics a bit and try to separate some of the science from the woo with the help of a very special guest. So Celine, what's the subject of our discussion today? Today, well, this is one that you wanted mm, to do. It is. And specifically bringing on Thomas, my boyfriend, as <laughs> I sometimes refer to my partner. He is now here with a name and a, and a being. Um, hello. Hello. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome, yes. Thomas, to the podcast, as if yes. I've never met you before. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's good to be here, you know, one time listener. <laughs> Um, so yeah we're talking physics specifically quantum Mm. Um, you two basically like to go off and want to talk about this stuff and you wanted it to be in a podcast Um, I'm here to hold you accountable and rein you in to make sure that people can understand this episode Um, and it doesn't go on for three hours Yes, an example of this and my need to be here is um, <laughs> our recent boat adventure. We went on a on a boat down the river um, for for a little um, bank holiday weekend. Very nice. I haven't heard about this. Yeah, yeah. Good. nice. And then Thomas was asked about his physics project, and he went off in in great detail <laughs> with the poor boat people left completely un. un unaware as no, to what they'd asked it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that bad it was it and was... then i tried to bring us back i was like yeah he you know yeah. got on really well with his tutor generalize it and he went yeah yeah i did anyway so the physics um, <laughs> well, the, so i'm here to, to the guy asked to do me this. and he seemed to have some knowledge of pop science cosmology so i'm like okay yeah. cool. so thomas decided we'll take it right out of pop science <laughs> like the blue touch paper and stand mm-hmm. back I suppose yes <laughs> yeah. yeah thomas i've said to him the way that he explained it actually for me i was like that was good actually for me because i i uh, the amount I've heard and been around you talking about it, that was good for me. But remember that that means Thomas overshoots by like a level per person. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here to try and bring yeah. him back a level because he's gonna okay. he's gonna probably go one level too far. So that's me. So do you guys want to tell everyone what you actually want to talk about though? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose um, the first thing I suppose you ought to say is, um, you know. Why do we care what your boyfriend thinks? You know, who is this person? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just some guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is it, have you watched a few YouTube channels, or have you actually studied He's actually this? Actually, just a flatter. But, um, no. <laughs> yes. Um, well, no. I, I have a master's degree in theoretical physics that I've recently graduated from. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So, hopefully, that means I'm somewhat qualified to talk about this. Uh, 
<laughs> this topic, but just yep. note, obviously, I'm no expert in quantum specifically. Uh, my master's thesis was in um, sort of cosmology and the gravity realm of things. But I did do a lot of focus on quantum field theory. So obviously, there's, there is a, a fairly solid quantum background. Great. So um, I think you're definitely, um, you know, way above the level that we need to we need for our conversation today. So that sounds brilliant. And um, yeah, I, I concur with Celine. I mean, I I love talking to you about this stuff. Obviously, I am not a qualified physicist, um, but I am very, very interested. And yeah, I've read and watched and talked about a lot of this stuff over the years. Um, I suppose just to tie it in with the the podcast and what what this has got to do with cults and um, high control groups and religion yeah, and all that. Out of left field, yeah, it? I feel like we need to justify it. So uh, one of the things that happened to me when I left uh, my group, which was Jehovah's Witnesses, as you know, was um, for a few years afterwards, I was kind of trying to make sense of the world, as we talk about a lot. And um, Part of that is to try and, you know, understand existence and philosophy and science and how I think about all that stuff. Um, and so you do get, I got sort of um, attracted by all sorts of ideas. I read a lot of science, but I also read a lot of um, fringe stuff, I would say. Um, this book was quite important to me at the time. There's two books like this. This is the one that I've got, um, the other one. I lent out and never got back. But this is The Tao of Physics by Fritjof Capra. He wrote another book called The Web of Life, which was the first one I actually read, although not the first one he wrote. Um, and that kind of really excited me. I thought that sounds really interesting. But of course, what I was doing there, I was reading somebody's interpretation of something I knew absolutely zero about. Um, so he was talking about the similarities between physics and or quantum physics particularly but physics generally and eastern mysticism and i thought oh that sounds really interesting but i didn't know anything about physics and i knew even less about eastern mysticism um so i think it's quite interesting and it's because it's written in a very popular way you kind of get into it and it's fascinating and exciting and interesting and stuff it's not to say that you know you shouldn't go down these rabbit holes if you're interested but i guess um one of the problems is that you kind of don't know much about it in terms of the foundation of this stuff. So our conversation today isn't going to give people all that underpinning knowledge, but I think it just goes to um, show that I think when you leave these groups, especially if it's a fundamentalist religious group, because you are so open to ideas and you've had no grounding in scientific thinking or critical thinking, and actually how to approach these things, you're kind of fair game for, for pretty much any idea out there. So we may get into quantum woo a bit later. Um, mm -hmm. I, we kind of want to talk about that, I think. But um, to start with, I thought, well, we had a little chat about this, didn't we? We went, um, uh, we went to visit your, your university town and uh, we had a coffee as Celine, you and mum were doing some lady shopping uh whatever that was i can't remember now um let's just call it bra shopping it sounds bra like shopping. slightly terrifying it. when you've got lady shopping so, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you were like concealing it for my good or um i couldn't remember just what forgot, it was. But, i know there was some but, reason why you yeah. two went off and did some we went um, off so and you talked about a, physics yes we had a chat well. 
in the in the coffee shop about physics and we talked a little bit about what we're going to do in this podcast so we mm-hmm. we kind of thought that one of the big mysteries that i found fascinating when i started to look into this stuff was this um double slit experiment which it, it is i suppose the starting point for lots of people who think hang on there's something weird going on here let's go down a particular rabbit hole um so maybe we start with that and and i suppose the the impetus for the slit experiment was to understand the nature of light wasn't it um, yes, and so yeah. this experiment was done so let's let's describe what this experiment was and how it worked and what the strangeness of the results okay um yeah so generally the experiment i mean this is a famous experiment that you know, the sort of one of the first things you learn when you start learning, well, when you learn about the physics of light anyway, this is one of the very first topics you learn, um, you, know, diff, you know, wave diffraction and so on, which is basically just the bending of the light through, you know, your slits uh, or through yeah. some gaps. Um, so, yeah, when it comes to quantum, obviously, you know, there's this idea that the particles, you know, are both particle-like and also wave-like. So it's this, called wave particle duality. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so light seems to behave like a, a particle, or like particles, I suppose, and like a wave, and that's at the heart of the question. Yes. Yeah. So, obviously, there's a, a, you know an oddity there because in our normal classical world, that's obviously not the case. Um, but when you scale down small enough, that seems to be um, you know what's going on. So, the double slit experiment basically. Um, is a setup where if you imagine you've got a board with two holes in it, um, if you fire a bunch of pellets or like paintball, you know, balls, mm. um, and then behind the screen with the holes, there's, you know, like a piece of paper or something, you'd expect to see like blodges of paint or something only where the holes are, right? That would yeah. be the sort of colorful idea. Or, you know, a- another sort of description is, Suppose you have a table with two holes in it and you pour sand down, you're going to get two piles, right? Um, So that's the general idea um, for a a classical particle or ball or whatever you want to say, going through the hole. That's what you'd expect. And um, if you you sort of go on YouTube and type in like ripple tank diffraction or something, um, you can see basically, yeah, waves go through. Um, and then they go through the sort of the holes, and then you get ripples. You get like a sort of a curved effect to the wave. Um, Is it like a tank of water? Yeah. 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 So if you have a tank of water and you have two holes, um, you have a plank in, in the middle of the water with two holes in it or slits, um, mm. and you started to push the water through, you would see a ripple effect at the other side, wouldn't you? Which is yes, yeah. where the waves of water, when you get the, the trough of the water and a another trough they go down when you get two peaks they go up and then yeah. you get this cancelling out where you've got a peak and a trough so you get this ripple effect like you have in the sea or any sort of body of water yes yeah yeah so yeah, um, yeah that's exactly right so obviously they have two very distinct you know solutions if you will two very distinct um occurrences um that we can observe very easily um but it seems when you you know scale down um to you know, very small levels, you know, sort of atomic level and, and subatomic level. Um, yeah, we, so if you do this experiment then with photons, which are just the name given to, you know, sort of discrete packets of light um, yeah. or, you know, little portions of light. Um, so, for example, you know, that might seem a bit odd, um, but lasers, for example, 
um, or any light really, it will have a frequency associated with it. Um, so that's you know a fact that you could think of that as you know the amount of light being emitted per second or per time. So you know our lasers go, they shoot specifically. It's the same wavelength and the same frequency, and it does it in little like um, like jutters. You know, it shoots out a little bit at a time. Uh, so if you scale down small enough, um, you know, in theory, you'll be able to see the time gaps between the sort of like the, the, the shootings of light. Um, obviously, on our scale, it's just a constant stream. You know, you, you know, you sort of spray like an aerosol at a laser. You're going to see a solid line, but you know, it's there is a frequency. So, so um, for la- a laser light shining through, it essentially is firing one little bit at a time. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you can sort of see this in terms of you know, like something looking like a solid line, but actually being in small sort of segments. Mm. So, yeah. So, but if you shoot these photons at a slit now, um, so. This laser. This laser. Um, so on, on, in the classical picture, um, you know, if you shine laser light at a slit, you'll you'll see a diffraction pattern. And what that will look like is, so you've got your, your sort of, you're playing with two slits in it. And then behind that, you've got a screen or a piece of paper or something. So you shine your, your laser through it, and then what you're going to observe on the other side is um, similar to what you would see in water, like like you're, like you're saying, Stephen, you know, where the troughs meet the troughs, you get uh, sort of a, a large, um, I guess, dip in intensity, and where the peaks meet the peaks, you get a large amplitude or a, 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 lot, a lot greater um, intensity. So what you see on the screen is you'll see a, a large central bright spot and then dark, and then bright, and then dark, and then bright, and then dark, and so on. Um, so that's the the wave behavior of, of light, yeah. and you can observe that very easily if you just go on, you know, um, laser light diffraction or something on YouTube. You'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, okay, that's light, and you get this wave like pattern. So if you scale down, you should, in theory, see the same thing, right? Um, but now, like I said before, if you shoot little balls. At a screen, you're going to see two piles or two little splodges. Um, so when you scale down to photons, so effectively particles of light, um, you still observe this um, this effect, this you know wave-like um, you know fringes um, they're called. Um, but what's interesting is, suppose now you set up some form of um, observational apparatus. So I don't know, it's not this simple, but say if you put a camera on one of the slits. Just so you could see, I want to know exactly when um, and how many times a you know a ball of light or a particle went through this slit, so the left one. Hmm. Um, so by doing that, you know you could think you're not changing the system; you're just observing, you know, what what happens when light is sort of shrunken down to these little balls. It doesn't sound like a variable. No, 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 exactly. It doesn't seem like you're changing anything, hmm. um, but. When you do that, the wave behavior or the wave-like behavior breaks down, and instead of seeing the sort of bright and dark fringes like the like when it was a wave, you're now seeing it as two blobs, like you would as a particle. So something happened um, on the on the quantum level that when you observed the phenomena occurring, the property of the thing you're observing has changed. It went from wave-like to then particle-like. Yeah. Um, so, so let me see if I can just um, summarise so I, I make sure I understand it, um, and um, and then you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. So, th- there seems to be two kind of slightly mysterious things happening when you you shoot um, 
these packets of, of light. Um, so when, when you shoot lots at the same time, you might expect them to interfere with each other and get this rippled effect at the other sides on this screen. You might expect to see these bands of light where you've got this interfering with each other a bit like water does the wave patterns and so on but what you're saying is you actually fire them one at a time and but even firing them one at a time they in you know what we're used to is you wouldn't expect them to interfere with anything else because they're literally going through one at a time um, in each slit so ping 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 they cannot physically be interfering with each other because they are literally going through one at a time yeah that's and right and yet exactly. we are seeing what looks like a wave pattern which would say that they are interfering uh, or there is an interference pattern just like there would be if you were firing them all at the same time and the conclusion as far as i understand it so tell me if i'm wrong with this is that um that is what you would expect if this one particle went through both slits at the same time. So even if you're firing them one at a time, ping, 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 somehow it looks like they're going. it's going through both slits, both holes at the same time and then interfering with itself on, on the other side. That seems to be, would seem to be the answer. But then when you get a... a an indicator, some apparatus, you like a, it's not actually a camera, is it? Because that wouldn't work, but something that will um, measure what's happening at the other end. As soon as you put that device on, you stop seeing the interference patterns and you end up with your two straight lines like you would expect a bunch of sand or whatever else you were just just plonking down is that is that right is that the mystery yeah i mean that's pretty much spot on um yeah like, like you say you know the the sort of the interesting thing about the the particle self-interacting interacting with itself yeah you, you send them through one at a time and yeah. there are there are loads of videos of this online where they measure on the screen they record you know you can see a single dot appearing one at a time and they seem yeah. random at first yes. um, but over time they build up this this fringe pattern this uh, interference pattern which is very weird. But yeah, like you say, as soon as you then put a camera or some form of uh, measuring device, um, you get, you know, the, the more classical picture of, you know. Yeah. So so for me, there's two weird things there. There's the, the way that even when you're firing these individually, they are interfering with each other and seems to suggest that they're going through two holes at the same time. That just doesn't match with our experience of reality that, that we are used to. And the other one is that it seems to suggest that when it's being observed, it's almost like it knows that it's being observed and therefore kind of goes back to what we would expect in the more classical physics world, like if you were putting ping pong balls through there or grains of sand or something. So for me, those are the two mysteries that absolutely fascinated me when I was, you know, before I started even doing any proper research and um, before I went to university or anything like that, I just, I just found that absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. So then Thomas, yes. um, go on, Celine, what were you going to say? 
I was just going to say, I have heard some people use it as like a justification for like God and things like that. Cause they're like, ah, there's oh, all sorts in there. Well, yeah, they're all, cause they're like, he doesn't want you to see the <laughs> secrets or whatever, you know, so just uh, stuff like this, which is, yeah, to us, I mean, it's funny, but some people mm. say stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just looking forward now to Thomas explaining um, to us um, <laughs> what it, what it's all about. What does it mean? How does it, how does that happen? Um, yeah. So let's. Let, what, so where do we go from here? I suppose Thomas. What, what? What's the? How do we start to try and understand this? Um, Realising um, that we still still lots to learn, I guess. Well, I, I suppose. Um, well, well, in terms of me explaining what's actually happening <laughs> is obviously a pretty big ask because yeah. I would I would have a lot of um, prizes if I Nobel could Nobel P- Nobel Sci- yes. Science Prizes think, and so on yeah yeah I think yeah. I'd immediately win that um, <laughs> but so I suppose we should probably first decide to actually define what the word quantum means or what cool. quantum physics actually is just because yeah. to sort of you know break up some of the mysticism of what you know yeah. what this, this word is um so a quantum, or a quantum, simply just means a piece of something, a, a discrete packet of something. So he's saying discrete. Um... Oh, uh, discrete. I guess like um, a defined amount. Okay. Because in in my world, discrete means like you know, quiet, secretive. Uh, being uh, yeah, not yeah. not blabbering. Being yeah. So yeah, this sorry. is like a. A thing on its own, really, isn't it? It's uh, it's yeah. it's a thing that is is, um, yeah, a, a packet or a part or a cell will be a discrete part of something. So it's, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so for example, say say you have just some water um, in no container. It's just just water's there. You know, you, you could say you have a, a spectrum of water. You know, however you're defining your water milliliters or liters or whatever, there is just some. You know, you don't really know. There's you know some amount Um, but now say you put this water in cups um, and you can only have full cups of water so there are as many cups as as, as you need so what you've done there is you've you've quantized or discretized the water um, and you've you've broken up that sort of fluid um, you know continuous spectrum of what could of how much water there could be and you've you've quantized it, um, it's called, you've put it in little packets, in this case, cups. Yeah. So right. when you talk about quantum physics, um, what is being quantized there, or what the little packets are, is energy. Um, so unlike in our world, the classical world, when you're moving around, you know, if if you decide to throw a ball, you can basically decide how much energy to throw that ball in. You know, there's not really, you know, there's a spectrum of energy you could throw that ball at. Um, when you scale down to sort of atomic, subatomic, that sort of level, um, well, say, say an electron buzzing around, an electron doesn't necessarily have the freedom to choose what energy it wants. It can, you know, in an atom, for example, um, that, that says, well, it said that to, to be in um, energy levels. Um, so the if an, if an electron is orbiting um, an atomic nucleus, um, it can't have any energy. It will have to be um, the sort of defined jumps. So you know, like I said, defined set of energy, defined quantum of energy. So think of them like shelves. You know, at the on the on the lowest energy level, it's called the ground state. Think of that at the bottom shelf. Um, and then, if it wants to increase its energy, it will have to go to the next shelf. 
You can't have um, a ball between shells because it's going to yeah. fall down again. So um, let me just um, just uh, see if I can j- again just make sure I I understand. So we we are thinking about an atom here. Um, the new uh, so we're, we're thinking now sort of semi classically in terms of think about an atom as a as a ball, I suppose, a nucleus, yeah. and around that atom, this is the way we were taught at school about atoms, wasn't it? Um, then around that atom um, is a is a an electron that um, we used to think of it of it as orbiting the um, the nucleus. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, guess. like like a small sun and planet kind of. That's thing, it. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's what you're talking about. You've got this nucleus, and you've got this electron that's orbiting around it but determined how close it is to that nucleus um it it, it can't be like uh, any it can't be um a bit near it and a bit further away and a bit like a like a real planet could it can be like anything from you know a few hundred million miles to thousands of million miles away yeah um for that it's got it's almost like it's on rails it's it's it can only be here or step right up to the next level or step yes. right up to the next level so it's it's limited in terms of how close it can get to the nucleus is that right yeah that, that's effectively right yeah and um, yeah the, put it on rails is, is a good sort of um example um so it would be like if you know you've got the sun and you've got however many you know there's sort of 10 or so whatever planets we have on our solar yeah. system it would be like if there could be nothing in between those planets yeah only the orbit of the planet is that's the only allowed um, distance. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like that. So in that sense, that's why it's called quantum physics because things on that scale can only have you know specific amounts of energy rather yeah. than spectrums. Okay. Um, so that's the sort of general idea. It's it's the energy or momentum or frequency or whatever um, they're often used interchangeably for you know many good reasons, but it's a bit beyond this. Um, all those things are, are discretized. They're quantized. They're small packets. Um, yeah. yeah, and we know those things. We've, we've. Uh, th- this is known physics. This is not spooky or weird. This is stuff that is well known. It's well understood, and is used all the time in technology. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just one pound or a dollar fifty, and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. So you've explained quantum to us what that word means these packets these little discrete bits of energy so why did we need it i suppose thomas why why um so quantum physics has been around for like a hundred years uh, or so yeah something like that like 19 yeah like oh 10 or something like that no, not 19 yeah. 10 or something um so, so why basically did we need it? What, what's it doing um so I guess this kind of starts um, almost with like the, I guess you could argue that the predecessor to to quantum, and some people may disagree, but um, it's a subject called um, statistical physics, um, which is, it's it's almost like what quantum was before quantum. So you have your thermal physics, you know, thermodynamics and all that stuff. 
Um, you know, obviously it's a description of temperature and heat and other stuff. Um, and then how obviously materials behave around, you know, those things. Um, but one thing that they couldn't really explain was gas, how, you know, how, um, you know, smoke and stuff behaves, you know, they call it Brownian motion is just a name given to sort of randomly buzzing around air particles. Um, so that was fine. But then when they began to scale down, there's a few experiments that they did, um, and things weren't adding up. Their statistical um, sort of thermal approach to things, which was very um, effective up to that point, up to, up to I use it, a certain point, it was very useful, um, kind of started to break down. Some things weren't being explained. Um, for example, um, they noticed when they're making some electronic devices, uh, maybe you've heard of some cathode ray tubes, maybe, um, but basically, they noticed if you shone some light on on a little metal plate, they could get a, an electrical current to flow through a circuit, but only specific frequencies of light. And their previous thermal explanation of why that happens didn't add up, basically. Um, so there was some some something lacking, something they were missing. Um, and then a few clever people came along, um, Einstein being one of them, and this is actually what he won the Nobel Prize for. It wasn't relativity, like most people think. Um, he basically just said, well, what if you know, the light that we're shining, actually, you know, you can basically yeah, group it up into little packets and the frequency um, basically corresponds to energy. And that's what's, you know, that absorbing of that specific frequency is what's allowing the current to flow. Um, I can't really remember the reasons people gave before that, that were incorrect. I can't really remember. Mm -hmm. um, I think some people were just thinking, talking about intensity of light and all that kind of stuff. But intensity increased the current but it didn't make the, you know, if the intensity of light was greater, um, but the frequency stayed the same, that didn't increase um, anything like that. So um, so basically, yeah, it was a way to sort of explain some strange phenomena with electronics and thermal physics that the previous theories didn't really um, account for. And I just want to pause there because I think it's kind of important. Um, I don't know whether you've got any thoughts on this, Celine, but um, th this is why I think, sciences the, the scientific method is so important um i feel like often people talk about you know science not knowing everything and um scientists just not being willing to change their minds and so on but actually this demonstrates that the scientific method is actually there to grapple with things that don't seem to make sense and when we don't understand something we methodically um, test it and if, if the answers we're getting are not congruent with our current theories then we have to have some new theories and that's that's what happened and uh, that's how we ended up with quantum physics i think yeah. that's kind of cool yeah no i agree yeah i, I do think it's cool um because what's funny is before <laughs> before this sort of bombshell was, was dropped on the world they were like you know what we've found we've found out everything we know yeah. it all now we just need to make more accurate tests. And then, you know, uh, you know, a bloke called Leonard Einstein, uh, you know, Schrodinger came along and then they basically proved everyone wrong. I'm like, no, actually, we don't really know a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, it's obviously, yeah, it, it's it's good proof. And that's one thing um, that is a bit, a bit of a pet peeve of mine. Um, it's like, oh, science is, is, is the right answer. It only is the right answer because you back it up, basically. Um, yeah. You know, you have hard evidence that is done, you know, tests are done by loads of people um 
that aren't sort of you know linked together there's you know there's just a bunch of independent parties running some experiments and then the conclusion that they all come to that's kind of oh everyone independently came to the same conclusion it's probably correct based on the rigor of, of the tests but it's only it's we only accept it as long as it keeps on delivering for what we see in the world isn't it so yeah. and the moment that it stops doing that then um we need either additions to the theories or we need new theories and that you know does happen from time to time um in fact there's always tweaks and uh, uh continual pushing the boundaries i suppose in, in terms of what we know and that's why i think you know science is such a a useful method it's that it's the best way to understand what's going on in the world because of that methodical approach and as you say a lot of the scientists are trying to prove each other wrong because they you get a big prize and lots of uh, notoriety in a good way if you are able to show that everything we thought was was not correct so you know it's um there's a lot of reasons to have confidence in these these methods i think um, but again, that's not to say that um, we know everything because because we certainly don't. All right. OK, so um, what this says then is that classical physics, as we call it, the physics of big stuff like planets and planets to ball bearings and people and um, giraffes. Um, these these are these are things we understood pretty well. But once we started to get into this very small world of the the uh, subatomic then we started to struggle with this type of physics and and thus quantum physics was born so how do we this is where i think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on is that there's various interpretations of what is going on uh, with this double split experiment and with the quantum world do you want to tell us a little bit about the the front runners in terms with the interpretations of what is happening Thomas. Yeah, so um, so there's the sort of three big ones. So there's loads, but the three, you know, the big hitters, like you say, there's the, um, the, the something called the Copenhagen interpretation, um, which this is the one that's taught at uni or school or wherever. This is the sort of, um, you know, you could argue the, the most falsifiable one. So the, the one that gives the most results, basically. Um, and this effectively says that um, on a small enough scale, Everything is governed by statistics and probability. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, that, that's basically you know the the, the wave function, or rather, uh, when the sort of particles going through one slit or the other, um, there's a sort of a, a probabilistic um, sort of mathematical expression that can determine how it's going to behave when it goes through the slit. Obviously, it doesn't tell you you know which slit it goes through, but it tells you the end result. To a fairly good level of accuracy that can be you know, tested and so on. Um, so that's that's one. That's the, the main one, basically. That's the one that everyone sort of goes by. Um, so can I can I just um, um, jump in there before you leave that one? So so that's the one that essentially says that um, when when we're at, what we're actually seeing is not about the individual particle particles. It's actually about the when you're firing it firing that particle what's happening is there's a a probability that it's going to go through that slit or the other slit or hit the edge of one slit and go a bit different direction so there's a whole bunch of probabilities about where it could end up um, that kind of exists in some 
in some form. It's there. And it's so when we see that interference pattern, it's because what we're seeing is the interference caused because of that, those set of probabilities. Um, and we call that the wave function. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, so um, it's a bit of a, a sort of tricky concept to get your head around, but basically, it is, yeah, it? it's 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 saying what you know. You're sort of making the argument where you know, as the sort of particle or particles go through the slit, that you know they're kind of simultaneously going through both because it's what you're observing is a probability. It's a distribution of likelihoods of where it could be. So, right. but it's not until you measure it that the probability breaks down and you get a single spike, and that's where it is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Is this what they're they, going on about in devs? Yeah, yeah, it okay. is. Yeah, and they call that the um, the collapse of the wave function, don't they? So it's yes. it's at that point as soon as somebody observes that, then the universe essentially says. So this is me saying it in my, you know, pathetic um, common garden way of of saying it, but it, it feels like what's happening is the universe is essentially going. Right, okay, now somebody's seen it, it has to be that one. Yeah. Up until that point, it's it could be anywhere along that distribution, but there's some that are more likely than others, which is where the probabilistic stuff comes up. You know, It's more likely to go straight through one slit or the other one than it is hitting the edge and then bounding off somewhere else. But um, ultimately, it there is a probability that it would um, appear anywhere along that spectrum on the screen, yeah. But it's only when, so that's the interference you're seeing. But as soon as somebody or something observes it, at that point, all of that collapses into it's got to be somewhere, so it's going to be here. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, pop science alert. Is it, is it similar to the whole cat thing then? Right. Oh my yeah. God! Do you want to throw in no, Schrodinger's cat? Yeah, I want to look his face. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I know I'm not the only one that's going to be thinking that. Yes. that's something that people have explained that, that before. Yes, so Schrodinger's cat is is everyone's is everyone's favourite tool in pop science to come talk on. about quantum. So come on. Um, come on. Basically, <laughs> what Schrodinger's cat is all about is it was it was a thought experiment, um, and they basically said. So suppose you've got some vial of poison in a box um, and you put a cat in the box and then you close it up so no one can see and that poison is going to randomly break and then kill the cat. So the idea is, you know, until you open the box, you don't really know if the cat is alive or dead. Um, so the idea is, um, well, the yeah, the idea is the cat is both alive and dead simultaneously. Um, so I guess, it, it, I guess the, the best way to explain it, given what we've just said, is... In some way, it's obviously all silly, but in some way you attach the fate of the cat to where that particle is going to end up on the screen. Yes. Yeah. So <clears throat> what you're saying is because um, before you observe the, the particle hitting the back, hitting the screen at the back, you don't at this point know whether it's hit the bit that makes the vial break in the cat's box or doesn't make the vial break um, on the other part of the screen. So imagine on that screen there was like a, a dead area and an alive area, and depending on which of those two get activated, whichever of those two the particle hits yeah. would determine whether that cat lived or died. So the point Schrodinger was making is if, if what we're just saying about this Copenhagen interpretation is true 
if you were to attach the cat to this experiment, then as you're firing this thing, in fact, in fact, after you've fired it, you don't know whether that cat is alive or dead until you observe the where that particle went. Yeah, until you and open the box a, and observe the cat. That's yes. right. And that's in a real sense. That's not in a sense that you don't know whether it's alive or dead. It's in a sense that because the wave function only collapses when somebody's observed where that particle went, yeah. then in that case, it's both alive and dead at the same time until you decide, right, now I'm going to observe it. At that point, it's either going to be alive or dead. Yeah. So that's, that's and, and from what I understand it, Schrod, this was Schrod, I can't, I can never say his name, Schrodinger's. Um, this was his way of saying, this can't be right. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Yeah, he kind of brought up this to almost show how ridiculous it is. He's like, hey, guys, yeah. this is obviously nonsense because... Otherwise, this is, you know, the, the cat is silly, yeah. right? Um, so it was, it was more of a, a dig, if anything. It wasn't really like an actual, you know, yeah. you know thought experiment. <laughs> it's it's more just, sure. look how strange this is. Something's going right. wrong here. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that, that's kind of the, the idea um, that he had, yeah. You know, between the slit and the screen, anything could happen or everything happens. And, and because that, that um, the Copenhagen... Um, interpretation was the one that was kind of come to, I can't remember the date roughly, Thomas, I don't know if you can, but this was all the big, you know, the real heavyweights of of physics, wasn't it? Nuclear physics and quantum physics and so on. Einstein and Niels Bohr's and um, Schrodinger and all of all of them um, basically came up with this this interpretation and it's, it's that that has been really prevalent in popular science uh, pro sorry popular culture so if anybody remembers the show quantum leap for instance um you've got this character in there this sort of computer generated character who follows him around with literally with a little device that says oh the chances of this happening the chances you're here is because of this or maybe it's because of that there's a 50 percent chance you're here to do this or 70 percent chance you're here to do that this is a, a, a popular interpretation of, of that idea that essentially the world is basically this whole probabilistic um, maelstrom that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's essentially what the world is, but yeah, it's, is, it's not the last good. word, is it? No, it's, um, it's still popular though. Cause I know quantum leaps yeah. old, but devs is new and that's still wrestling that question. Cause the idea yeah. is they've got, spoiler spoiler um but the idea is that they've got you know code of life and that everything is just going to happen as it's going to happen because they've got the probabilities set up um, yeah so one, one of the things so devs is a program that we talked about some months ago really um probably mm -hmm. last year um it's a uh, I, it was on the bbc but i don't know where it is on on other um on other channels around the world but it's it kind of addresses these issues um, and, and this is where, where quantum physics comes in. It is like a wonderful device for fiction writers, particularly science fiction writers, because it gives you this opportunity to play around with alternatives. Um, and it, mm -hmm. it puts in that element of chance, whereas a purely mechanistic universe, which starts from you know point A and you can literally predict at point Z, point z um 
where it's going to be that the quantum physics plays with that and i think that's that's why we find it so interesting all right so the copenhagen interpretation is one mm-hmm. Should we go for uh, what else have we got? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say uh, what you were just saying, sort of, um, you know, everything being mechanistic and, you know, you can yeah. sort of well define A to B and so on. And that actually leads on nicely to the, the second main interpretation, okay. um, the hidden variables um, interpretation. And basically this just more or less states that um, it's not probabilistic, it's not probability-based. Um, it is, you know, you in theory, you could work it all out um, step by step. But we just don't have good enough science yet. We don't have enough technology or understanding to properly do that yet. So this idea very simply is we're missing information, basically. And probabilities don't make sense to how things are that way when you can, you know, define things so um, you know, correctly. So this is just the idea is there's something missing. We've missed something. Right. Um, so that, that's kind of what this one is. Um, yeah. Okay, that, that makes sense. How popular? Uh, well, it's reasonably popular because I guess it doesn't really have any, um, unlike you know probability and collapsing the wave function and that kind of wacky questions. It doesn't really have any questions really. It's just oh, that's simple. So I think but a lot of people. It's an answer that gives no answers, though, Thomas. No, it's not a particularly <laughs> satisfying one. It's is it? basically saying, "Yeah, we don't know." <laughs> Yeah, more or which, less. Yeah. Which is fine, but it's kind of, I don't like that answer. I mean, it's, um, it, I suppose, though, if you thought about, um, let's say, I don't know, a thousand years ago, uh, trying to predict um, how a rock might fall um, from a, a cliff or something, um, the only way you could predict that would be through probabilities, wouldn't it? I mean, they yeah. probably didn't have statistical maths in those days. Maybe they did. I don't know. But um, you could do that with the technology they had. But you wouldn't be able to uh, really work out exactly what was going to happen to that boulder or that rock as it was going to fall. Yeah, in theory, you, you could do that, but you wouldn't have the technology or the measurement devices to do that. Therefore, the best you could do would be to have probabilities. So that, I suppose, is an argument for why, okay, well, the Copenhagen interpretation, you know, seems to work okay, but that's because we don't have all the all the variables. And by variables, we need we mean the things that you need in order to do the calculations. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, exactly. And like you say, you know, about you know, a thousand years ago, trying to figure out the rock. Obviously, you know, about 500 or so years ago, uh, Newton came along and basically solved that for us. But before that, yeah, they, they, yeah, there's probably some guesswork involved and they could probably roughly yeah. guess it because, you know, they have stuff like, you know, cannons and whatever else. Maybe not yeah. cannons, sorry, catapults, sorry. So they had some idea of how it worked, but yeah, it wouldn't have been, you, you wouldn't have had, you know, what we now call kinematics, you know, very accurate descriptions. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a very unsatisfying, we just don't know, basically, is what that sure. interpretation is. Um, and... Finally, um, what is probably everyone's favourite in pop science <laughs> land um, is the many worlds um, yeah. interpretation. It's my favourite, and and this one basically goes that um, any possible event that could happen has happened, but if we don't see it, it's in an alternate timeline or the alternate universe, basically. Yeah. Um, which do you not like it? I'm not a fan, um, to be honest, just because. It's very sci-fi, and there's not really much backing. That being said, though, um, alternate universes and that kind of thing isn't only, you know, only sort of the realm of quantum woo. It is actually, um, 
there's a lot of other fields and one of them is is cosmology they sort of mess around with multiple universes it's called brain cosmology and basically a minor tangent here basically we live in our little universe but our universe is contained within a high dimensional space that contains other universes in it so so it is a thing in other fields of physics um it's not just that's true but that's that's a kind of that's a solution to a different question isn't it so there's a few different multiple universe um ideas around um there's also the one that if the universe was infinite literally infinite then you know essentially everything would be happening exactly as it is now somewhere else in this infinite universe so you might as well yeah. think of them as different universes but what we're talking about here is the reason the reason i think it's attractive uh, apart from the yeah it's kind of cool and it is good for the imagination um is because if you think back to the slit experiment um what what it says is actually you don't need to do any more calculations you don't need to work out um what's happening with this uh with this interference pattern or with this um where it is actually what's happening is at that moment it's going through one slit and it's going through the other slit and it's also hitting the side of another one and hitting the side of another one so it's doing all of those things it's just that we experience one of those outcomes all of those outcomes are happening and it's like branches that branch off a you know think about a tree and those all of those things but we only experience one of those because we obviously go on one of those branches that's just branched off yeah yeah Um, yeah yeah. we we go on constantly branching yeah 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 Um, that's it yeah and that that kind of is quite an elegant way of explaining it obviously it creates a lot more stuff in the universe (laughs) we've got all these universes constantly being created which is mind-boggling um but it does. It is a. It is an answer to that um, that question around, you know, why it is that, that quantum physics seems to be able to tell us that that a particle can be in more than one place at the same time. Actually, it can because they they essentially these are different universes that it's creating. Um, yeah. So. Um, if you call it it woo. Woo. Yeah. Well, that's probably good good thing to talk about next. Really. So before we get there, let's just. Uh, just sort of you want to wrap this segment just this wrap this up yeah packet. this bit <laughs> this quantum this, this yeah. quantum of, mm. of discussion yeah yeah so we've uh, basically we've uh, we've got this mystery with the two slit experiment um there's more to it isn't there there's if you have a look online we'll put some links to i'll get you to give me some good recommendations thomas yeah. for you know good good uh sites about this because <laughs> there are a lot of bad ones um yes. But um, so basically we've got this mystery with the double slit experiment and it seems to be suggesting something um, that we don't quite understand. It seems like light both behaves as a particle and a wave at mm-hmm. the same time. We've got this pattern that, that happens uh, when you fire these subatomic particles or even atoms um, through these small slits. It, it seems to be that it, it looks like it's a wave, but how can it be? Because it's only one at a time but it seems to create a wave pattern but then as soon as you start observing it with some apparatus then it it goes back to what you'd expect that seems weird um we don't fully understand it we end up with this idea that that um it's either the copenhagen interpretation 
which is all about a wave function, probabilities, and as soon as you see it, that will collapses. Um, or it's this hidden variables, which means that it could be stuff that we don't really understand. We just we just need to discover these other elements that, that are going to affect it. Or it could be that we've got this many world uh, that essentially the universe branches off constantly into all these other ones, which is why we're seeing some of these effects that don't seem to make sense. Uh, there are other theories, as you said, or there are other interpretations, but we uh, we probably leave it there. But I think what, what that does is, of course, it leaves loads of room for anybody that's interested and with a good imagination. And I guess one of the biggest areas that even some of the early uh, physicists did start to play with was whether the fact of the conscious individual observing the result is the thing that is actually important. So is it that this is telling us something about the universe, that actually it's consciousness that the universe is all about? And actually, unless there's somebody conscious there to see it, it ain't happening. And that that kind of creates this whole... Uh, room for a whole load of mysticism and Deepak Chopra's and his ilk Mm. to get into this stuff. And that's what we tend to call woo, isn't it? So the question is weird, but our solution then, you know, how do we, how do we go about trying to find the answer to it? Um, Yeah, I suppose the the thing is that that there's a few things uh, that you said. So yeah, it it is very strange. And I guess from sort of a philosophical, philosophical point of view it, it doesn't make any sense obviously it's very strange how things can behave this way um but one thing just to sort of note is just because we don't understand why it happens this way doesn't mean we don't understand how it happens or rather that yeah. it does happen our understanding of quantum mechanics is extremely thorough um to yeah. the point where you know a lot of people chuck it up for this sort of theoretical nonsense but it, the quantum physics is the most experimentally verified theory of any science because it has to be. Um, basically, you wouldn't have modern chemistry without it. Uh, you wouldn't have electronics as we'd have them now without it. So, mm. though it is weird, um, it is very well understood. Just not for the you know the reasons like you say. You know why does observing it collapse away function? That we don't know, but we know it that it yeah. does, and we understand how it does. Um, but yeah, the the, the woo. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just people's excuse to say anything, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> To be like, yep, anything can be explained. It's quantum. We don't understand it, guys. Trust us. <laughs> um, yeah. Which obviously is a load of rubbish most of the time because um, it's people that are unqualified to talk about it, you know, <laughs> giving it more credit than it deserves. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think that non-qualified people should be able to talk about it, but not because uh, it's fun, yeah. but not then with a... Um, a level of authority that certainly doesn't match their education. So, you know, it's it's great to speculate, and I love it. And, um, you know, there's lots of great ideas, but that doesn't mean it's true. And unfortunately, you do get lots of people who adopt quantum physics and just even just use the word and other buzzwords around it, words like vibrate well quantum itself vibration frequency and energy so there's lots of kind of um ways of talking about this stuff that is you know the world is all vibrations and 
Um, I was listening was to Deepak. Well. Do you remember Good Frequencies or something like that? And oh, was yeah, like Frequencies. It was someone called, yeah. was lucky because they had a yeah. particular frequency and someone was That's a great film. We should review that. It's great. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was yeah. obviously it just took like that it's was fun. the whole concept. Yeah. But yeah. some people believe it. Yeah, I think the thing is, obviously, yeah, like like you say, it's great that people want to learn about this stuff, for sure. You know, you don't have to have a degree to enjoy quantum or even talk about what it is. But yeah, what you say, yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. A lot of people, I think, um, or at least this is my interpretation of when I see it, is they understand a lot of people don't know what these words mean. So they just yeah. use them. And then most people probably think, oh, I don't know anything about that. So this person must be telling the truth kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like a great example, I saw this thing. This is I don't want to you know name and shame anybody, but it was a, it was a uh, healing crystals thing, yeah. um, which you know if, if you're into that, that's fine. But the way she was explaining how these crystals work mm. was by throwing in buzzwords like quantum this and chromodynamics that and this and that, and the way she is describing them, it was almost correct. You know, she should her, her uh, you know the the, the, the intro statement maybe semi-factual but then it very quickly devolves and then a lot of buzzwords start getting used a lot of you know um, jargon that you know most people you know aren't familiar with so instead of being like oh this is nonsense you probably look at that and be like oh i don't know anything about that but this person seems confident in how they're talking which yeah leads to a lot of misconceptions yeah and you know in some respects that's fine if if it's just speculation and then you go to bed and forget about it until you talk about it again over a pint but um I, I guess what worries me a little bit is that um some of some of the people that promote these ideas and then adopt this scientific language but they don't really know what it's about they adopt those those terms and that language in order to to make their idea sound credible um which could involve which could involve um spending a lot of money with them for instance um yeah or you know buying this or following that and and you know there are cults that that actually do play on that so yeah i i can't i think that's kind of worrying plus um yeah there's there's lots of alternative um remedies for things that mm. may not actually be either safe Alt or science, effective as it is yeah exactly mm. yeah uh, but they're still dressing the themselves bombing. up in the clothes of science they're not love bombing they're woo bombing <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so i think there is a there is a kind of risk there that that um which is frustrating because you know that on the one hand they'll criticize science but on the other hand they'll say oh scientists aren't this is another phrase i've heard a lot scientists are now working in this area or they're ex exploring this or they're experimenting with that as though that actually says anything. They're not telling you what the results of those experiments were well, but they're just yeah. saying they're looking at this you know well so what it's what the papers say. It's what the results of those experiments yeah. say that matters, not what they're experimenting. You know, if I was to do an experiment tomorrow about telekinesis, it doesn't mean that I've proved it, does it? I'm just doing an experiment. What <laughs> yeah. does the actual experiment say? That's what we need to be looking at. Um, yes. And that's what's lacking, I think, in a lot of these claims. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I've seen loads of, you know, headlines from, you know, popular news sources but they're like oh scientists have found x thing and then you you go to the paper that they've sourced and they've not said anything even remotely no. close to that but yeah that's the thing it's you know obviously it's it's cool to be like yeah like you say telekinesis or oh, scientists looked at this cool but yeah the results matter what do they what? find yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah exactly and that's the bit that 
they never really get into. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, um, have we have we covered everything? Um, Celine, as our conscience of this uh, this little chat. To make your conscience of not burdening people with too much knowledge. <laughs> so we didn't we didn't get onto the standard model, but maybe we uh, maybe we do that another day. No, that was quite uh, funny in the pre-chat. As we've talked yeah. about, we have a pre-chat. Thomas was um, surprised to see mention of the standard model. Yeah, the standard so how model. How would you describe it? Um, well, it's a, it's thrown a, in a bit cheeky. Yeah, a bit of a detail. <laughs> Basically, the the levels of quantum required to describe the standard model are even more abstract than the double slit experiment. Um, you know that they, they, yeah. If anybody in wants to request that, then request it, and maybe the patrons will get it or something. Maybe people will have heard of these though. So these are like the little yeah. um, that that what we we sort of call subatomic particles but whether they're actually physically things or not i guess is a different question but um yeah. these are the quarks aren't they and um, yeah so yeah i mean oh, no, they're doing it they're the, doing it the standard model um <laughs> it's so easy to get it <laughs> so the standard oh, model yeah. it simply just refers to um uh you know it's, it's a name sort of an umbrella term that contains the you know the particles that we've observed um, in you know the Large Hadron Collider and various other um, experiments, so they contain you know like the the electron, um, the, the neutron, and the proton, um, and a bunch of other friendly characters. Um, there's quite a few of them, but yeah, basically, um, yeah, the standard model is just just our current understanding of subatomic physics. You know the the you know what we understand about the current building blocks of what make everything basically. Um, yeah, we didn't get a safe word. I mean, this is the problem. <laughs> like, so what I are we to talk to about do? the up quark and the strange no, quark? No, yeah, there, there's no, there's no. top bottom um, charm, strange woo, charm. Woo. Yeah. It's my safe word. <laughs> it's not a word. It's, it's, no, it's, it's my real, safe word. It's, real, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's my okay. Well, word. if if anybody's still around um, as a listener, if you're still <laughs> here. <laughs> If you're then, still here, um, I say you should leave a comment and um, tell us what, yeah. tell us if you knew anything what about the scientific experiment before and what you think about it now. To put that yeah. in the comments, um, do it as a review. Go to the reviews, and write a review of this specific <laughs> episode and say what you thought of this episode and if you are any more informed. And if you do that, we know that you're one of the special people that stayed. Yeah, and um, if you want to know more, then obviously... Um, yeah, ask, let us, for um, ask for more. I mean, that's basically what I've talked about today is is um, is my complete knowledge of the whole subject. So anything else, and it'll just be basically Tom sat there in front of a microphone <laughs> telling the internet what he about knows. my yeah. ideas. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff in physics that isn't just quantum. Like the yeah. day-to-day physics is obviously very interesting, but a lot of the love gets sent. Quantum and you know, yeah. you know astronomy and stuff, um, but there there is a lot of cool stuff in in, in physics. Nice. nice. All right. Well, um, well, I've really enjoyed that. Thank you very much, uh, Thomas. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, nice for joining us. Thank you. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know how how much our listeners will have enjoyed it, but um, well, so we'll that essentially out. rep. 
that essentially replicates uh, what happens when you and Thomas come round for tea or something. Mm. Um, me and Thomas just sit in the corner and uh, do that all night, basically. Yeah. yeah. yeah to be fair, it, was, it did feel very reminiscent <laughs> of, a, of a, a random evening post-dinner talking about science. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's nice for you, isn't it? Yeah, You, you have your little chat. Me and Mum will go do something. <laughs> go walk the dog. All right. Um, yeah I guess that's it thank you very much for listening everyone um, if you're still there and uh, join us again next time for something not quite so scientifically heavy I'm sure Uh, thanks for listening (laughs) woo woo bye bye Cult Hackers is an Evil Sheep production